Thank you for listening to the Giving Light Podcast. We are a family church and world outreach center. Our heart is to empower you to walk in true freedom and equip you to impact your world. Please visit our website at givinglight.org to learn more about us and our many resources, including original music by Brave Music, e-courses for leaders, tools for raising powerful kids, and more. If you would like to support Giving Light financially, visit our Give Online page to choose the best giving method for you. Thanks again for joining us and enjoy this message. Amen. Wow, we love our kids, don't we? Because they are arising, they are fulfilling destiny, they are accomplishing the plans and purposes of God for their life. You know, God chose you in Him before the foundations of the world, right? Our life is not a mistake. Our life is not an accident. He knew what time in history we would be born. He knew you would be here right now today, sitting right where you're sitting. What an honor. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you and praise you that today we've already experienced the manifestation of the Father's heart. And a part of your heart is to do justice. And so, Lord, I pray before we even start that the God of justice and the revelation of the God of justice is arising in this place to even greater levels in the name of Jesus, that, Lord, I thank you that no weapon that is formed against anyone will have its desired effect because the God of justice is arising on their behalf. And right now I pray for Karen in the hospital, and I ask for the God of justice to arise on her behalf and that there is supernatural healing taking place in her heart, in her lungs, uh, in her GI tract, and all bleeding to stop in the name of Jesus. We declare and decree, Lord God, that each person here that needs a miracle from you, body, soul, spirit, emotionally, socially, financially, whatever way it is, that the God of justice is arising on their behalf right now in the name of Jesus. Amen. Oh, I am excited today because uh, for those who have heard me speak on shame and fear uh, on different levels, and we're going to continue on those things, the fact is understanding the God of justice is a huge part of being freed from all our false identities, all our false realities, because when God shows up, things change. When the God of heaven and earth puts down his gavel, things change. Hell shakes when the judge of all the earth puts down his gavel. So we have to understand the God of justice. So today, that's where we're going. But to understand justice, we have to look at injustice. What is injustice? My definition, Melody's, it is an abuse of power. Where someone takes their platform, their position, their authority, whatever they have, and they take from somebody else to benefit themselves at someone else's expense. That's injustice. When I don't care about you and all I do is care about me, that is injustice. When the world revolves around melody, so much so that I don't care how my life impacts yours, that is injustice. And we know the father of injustice is the enemy who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. 
So if you experience something that is stealing from you, trying to kill you, not just physically, but emotionally or relationally, trying to destroy aspects of your life, that comes from the father of injustice, the enemy. But God isn't too moved by him, is he? Because our God is a God of justice. So what is justice? My definition, once again, is power used for good. Right now, I've got power. I got the platform. So if I use this platform for your good, I'm being an instrument of justice. If I use this platform of influence to take from you, that's injustice. Do you see the difference? And our all-powerful God, there is no one, there is nothing that is more powerful than our God, and he uses his power for our good. God so loved the world, he so valued the world, Jesus became an instrument of justice for our good. The enemy wrecked havoc in humanity. And what did the father do? He said, I love humanity so much. I love this world so much that my son is going to go to planet Earth. And he is going to be my instrument of justice. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy the works of injustice. This is powerful, guys. So when we receive the God of justice, then our perspectives of everything in our life will change because every aspect of our life is changing. Oh, the worship was so powerful this morning. And the whole message is, as it is in heaven, let it be manifested on earth. And when God manifests heaven in this earth, we will experience justice in every area of our life. There's a great revivalist. He's my favorite. Not that I'm against any other ones. But Charles Finney is like my favorite revivalist of the 1800s. And probably because he gave a definition of sin that aligns with Melody's voice. So I really like him. But he, Charles Finney, said, this is what sin is. Anything that was destructive or dehumanizing to the human race. Anything that violated God's heart is sin, is injustice. Anything that is dehumanizing is sin, and it is injustice. So my definition of sin, with my words, is sin is anything that devalues or dehumanizes an individual. If I go up to Reuben and I devalue him and I shame him, I'm being an instrument of injustice. But when I go up and I value him and I honor him and I celebrate him and I'm willing to invest into him, I get to be an instrument of justice. All of God's power is not to bring down a hammer from heaven and bop you on the head or to punish you for anything you've ever done run. Oh my goodness. We wouldn't be here if any of us were perfect. We're here because of the justice of God, correct? 
Sometimes we are our own worst enemy, and that's where the shame and fear comes in, right? Because I devalue myself. I dehumanize myself. And the moment I start devaluing myself, guess what? I'm walking in sin because I'm devaluing what God created. I remember thinking, God, how can you love me? I'm damaged goods. I'll never amount to anything. Go back and listen to my sermon on shame so I don't repeat it. But the fact is, God's justice arose on my behalf to change the way I thought about myself. And not just me, but how I thought about others. Because when something changes on the inside of me, then how I treat others aligns with heaven. Because the fact is, life has not been fair. It's not been fair for any person on the planet. Any one of you could tell me stories. That's why we do the My Story Night. Because it's so important to hear where people have come from and where God is taking them to because it gives us hope. I'm not standing here because I had a perfect life. I'm standing here because I was a puddle of mess. I was an alcoholic at 21. I was messed up, but God. And why? Because life wasn't fair. And because I didn't know Jesus, I didn't know where to run. I didn't know how to fix up my mess-ups. Life has just not been fair. All you have to do is read the Bible and you'll see life was not fair. This isn't a new phenomenon. <laughs> it's been there. Think of David. He was running. Loyal David, who gave his life repeatedly to fight against the armies of Israel to exalt the kingdom of Saul. And now David is running for his life, runs to exile because that one that he served faithfully is out to kill him. David couldn't go to his wife. He couldn't go to the temple of God. He couldn't visit his friends. He was hiding. That was unjust. It was evil. Look at Joseph. His brothers were so jealous of him that they threw him in a pit. They sold him into slavery. That is injustice, guys. Come on. If you have 10 brothers that come and throw you in a pit, sell you into slavery, that's injustice. He ends up at Potiphar's house and bless his heart. He served him very, very well. He must have been doing something right because Potiphar's wife was, hey, David. I mean, Josh, Joshua, not David. Hey, Joshua, you know, go up and he's, and he goes, get away from me. Actually, the Bible talks about him running away. So because he does the right thing, he ends up in prison. That's injustice. Think of Tamar. Tamar was King David's daughter. She was raped by her half-brother, Amnon. Oh, you think these things only happen at this time in history because the world is so horrible? King David, a man after God's own heart, in his family, with his children, his son raping his daughter? 
The Bible says she lived as a desolate woman in her brother Absalom's house for the rest of her life. That injustice threw her into such shame. She ripped off all her princess's robes and spent the rest of her life hiding in shame because of that event. Life hasn't been fair. My life, your life, it hasn't been fair. But God, our God is a God of justice. It is his very DNA. It is who he is. Isaiah 61. Now, I might go really fast, so I don't know if they'll be able to keep up with all my scriptures. Or the, so be merciful with them as well as me, because I might not even do them in order, because I'm not... I just kind of go with the flow, okay? So Isaiah uh, 61 verses 8 in the NIV, it says, For I, the Lord, love justice. See, his very DNA is to do justice. And he says, I love justice. You know, you get to know who someone is by what they love and by what they hate. And our God loves justice. He loves when power is used for the good of another. He says, but I hate robbery and I hate iniquity. He hates how you've been stolen from. He hates how you've been sinned against. He hates it. No matter what has gone on in your life that was negative, a destruction or loss or sadness or sorrow or where your heart was broken, guess what? God hates that. He hates when you're hurting. He hates when you're struggling because he is a God who loves justice. And then he says, but in my faithfulness, because if we're not going to get justice in this life, then guess what? God says, I am going to reward them and make an everlasting covenant with them. In the midst of injustice, God says, it's all right. Don't worry about it. I'm going to reward you, and I'm making a covenant or an agreement with you. How often do we petition the God of justice? We beg God, God, do something, God, do something. We're just begging him, and, well, God, and we complain to him, and we murmur, and we do all these kind of things. God, just do something. You know what? As sons and daughters of the living God, we can go before the judge of all the earth and petition the God of justice and say, Lord, you see this situation? God of justice, arise. In the courts of heaven, place your gavel down. And I love in Daniel where it talks about the ancient of days, sitting on the throne with the books open before him. And then in Job, it says, you know, I'm going to read it because I'm not, I don't memorize this one. But if I were you, if I were you, I would appeal to God. I would lay my cause before him. Every time we lay our cause before the judge of all the earth, we are petitioning the God of justice to move on our behalf. We are petitioning that the thoughts and the ways of heaven would be so manifested in our life that it would shift the trajectory of our life. That what the enemy meant for harm would be turned around for good. That's a justice scripture there. 
Genesis 18.25 says, Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? I love that. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? Why do we go and get angry at God when he is the one that will bring justice? If you want to get angry at anyone, pour out your wrath on hell. Pour out your wrath on the works of darkness. Devil, you know what I think of you? <laughs> Just go to hell where you came from, right? <laughs> if you're going to curse, curse at the devil. If you're going to get angry, get angry at the works of darkness. But petition the God of justice. Where do we run when we get into trouble? It's his beating heart. You know, in this earth, when you literally go into law, when you go before a judge and you place your case before a judge, a judge will grant you or can grant you a replevin. And a replevin is a legal document. And listen to what it means. If you get a replevin from a judge, it says, judgment is in favor of a person giving them the legal right to recover all, say recover all, that was wrongfully or unlawfully taken. When I went before the judge of all the earth, he gave a replevin to Melody Hilton where your femininity was stolen through those years of sexual abuse where it caused so much pain in your life. I am giving you a replevin so that you can take back everything that was stolen from you. You can step in to your true identity. You can begin to see yourself as I see you. Because I should have brought my gavel. I actually have a gavel in my office, and I use it all the time, all right? And I put down that gavel. He puts it down, and he said, listen, I'm giving you the right. And we have that right through the blood of Jesus, by the way. It also means, and these are legal terms, the right and authority to recover all goods and possessions that have been taken unlawfully or unjustly. It means to remove all restrictions or hindrances to justice being served. Well, if the attorneys of our land can execute a replevin, giving you the power and the authority to get back everything that was stolen from you, to restore all the goods that were taken from you and to remove every hindrance from justice being served. That's a good deal, right? Let me give you some biblical benefits of a replevin. One, the curse is reversed. I pray you'd ever say this, 
but it comes out of your mouth, I must be cursed. That is a lie. Because when you are covered by the blood of Jesus, you have stepped out of cursings into blessings because Jesus became a curse for you. He took the curse upon himself when he died and when he rose from the dead. Come on, he did that for us. The curse is reversed. Think of Queen Esther. There was a plan of hell, injustice against the Jews. But guess what she got to do along with Mordecai? In the name of the king, she got to write a new decree. One thing that was taking place in worship this morning was they began to make decrees. I am who you say I am. This is my new decree. I'm not what the enemy says I am. I'm not what circumstances says I am. I'm not what mommy or daddy said I am. I'm not what those people who took advantage of me said I am. I'm not how people have joked and teased me and been sarcastic against me in fun. I'm not what they say I am. I am who you say I am. Esther got to write a new decree. And when the judge of all the earth gives us a rib heaven and we already got it, we can begin to make new decrees. We can recover everything that was stolen. Guess what? Everyone here has had something stolen from them. David, with his mighty man, came back to Ziglag, and their wives and their children and their goods, everything was stolen. And so David petitioned of the Lord, and he said, shall I pursue after this troop or this army? And it was the Amalekites. Shall I overtake them? Meaning, can I do this, God? Can I win this battle? Can I overtake? I mean, these guys are big. They're powerful. They took everything we've got. I've got a lot of mighty men with me, but they are discouraged because their wives are gone. Their children are gone. All their stuff is gone. In fact, they were so upset about this thing, they were about ready to kill David. So this was a very difficult situation. And he goes, God, can, can we overcome? Is this doable, God? And God said, pursue for you shall recover, you shall overtake them, and without fail, you will recover all. He went before the judge, and he goes, guys, you got this. I'm on, if God's on my side, who can be against me? If God's on my side, what do I have to fear? Pursue. Don't go hiding. Pursue. Keep moving forward in God. When depression comes, we want to hide. When discouragement comes, we want to isolate ourselves. That's the worst thing we can do. We've got to pursue. Another thing that takes place when replevin is given, spiritually speaking, is restoration. And in that, I think about the Shumanite woman. Remember she had Elisha? She had this little place in her house that Elisha would come and stay. And the Shumanite's wom Shumanite woman's son died. Well, she built such a relationship with uh, Elisha that she went chasing after him. Hey, my son's dead. You better come and do something about this, right? 
And God used Elisha to raise her son from the dead. But then a little bit later, Elisha went to her and said, there's a famine coming to this land and you need to leave. So she listened to the prophet and she left for seven years. She did not live on her land for seven years. She came back, long story short, but she came back to the king and she shared her story with that king. Listen to what the king said to her. Restore all that was hers and all the fruits of the field since the day she left the land, even until now. Not just give her back the land, but all the fruit that came from that land in the last seven years, you give it all to her. Remember, replevin is about recovering all. We have deliverance from every area of bondage in our life. I'm not critical of any battle anyone faces. Because you've heard my, enough of my stories to know that I faced enough of my own, right? But there isn't any bondage that the God of justice can't free us from. So we know that the children of Israel were in bondage for 400 years as slaves. But God raised up Moses to be a deliverer. And when they came out of Egypt, they just didn't come out with, you know, by the skin of their teeth. They came out healthy. Even the old folks were healthy. There was not one feeble person among them, right? And they came out with all the wealth of Egypt, everything that was stolen from them and their generations for 400 years. Guess what? They came out of bondage with all that. They lacked nothing. Do you know what? We need to fight today. It might be your parents, it might be your grandparents, it might be your great-grandparents, where there has been injustice throughout the generations. Guess what, guys? You can recover all. I don't have, I never met great, I only met one of my grandparents. My dad died when I was young. So I have my, the only one is mom, but I know there was so much injustice in her life. Her first husband being dying at the Battle of the Bulge in World War II. Married to my dad for just 18 years and she lost him. But I remember, not so much at that moment, but mom still brings up these scriptures. <laughs> but when my dad died, she went right to the word. And he's a husband to the widow. He's a father to the fatherless. And I remember as a little girl, before I got saved, my mom would say, God is your father. You don't have a daddy, but God is your father. It took me a lot of years to grasp the revelation of that. But that's the God of justice. There is two things that happen when justice is served. And, I mean, you think about it. We're going before a courtroom. The judge is our daddy. 
our brother is our advocate, our attorney. And the Holy Spirit is there. It's okay. We got this. <laughs> we got this. Let me give you comfort. Let me give you peace. We got this. So when we go before the courts of heaven and justice is given, there's two things that happen. One is restitution. Restitution is the restoration of something stolen, something being brought back to its original state. When there is restitution, what was stolen from you is returned back to you in perfection. But I love this one. The second, when justice is served, there is recompense. Recompense is you receive much more than what was stolen, making amends through compensation for loss, harm, or suffering. So he said, guys, not only are all these things going to be restored back to you, but you're going to get more than what was stolen. So much more. What? When the thief be found, he has to restore seven times and all his household. Everything he has stole from us or our generations, he's got to restore all that back to us. That's recompense. If I went up to Carissa and she had $10 sitting on her lap and I stole that and I took off running and sold her $10, and God comes back and says, here, Carissa, here's 1000 She's not going to be all upset about that $10 because the God of justice has arisen on her behalf, right? That's not a joke. It is the reality of the God of justice moving in our life. You just think of something stupid you did or something horrible that was done to you, Guess what? The God of justice says you're going to have recompense so much more than what was stolen from you. Stephen grew up in a difficult family, home situation. There were so many abuses that he experienced. He doesn't talk about them as freely as I talk about mine. But there was so much abuse. There was so much abuse in my life. And then two messed up people get married. Because he's going to be a daddy to me. I didn't want a husband. I wanted a daddy because I didn't have one. And he didn't make a very good daddy. <laughs> it put a lot of pressure on him to be my daddy, right? And so it was the first rough few years. Because we were like two ticks with no dog. We were like sucking the life out of each other and neither of us had the ability to give back, man. We were like sucked dry ourselves, come on. But God, recompense. I want to cry right now. Because what we have now is so much greater than anything I could ever dream or imagine. It doesn't matter where we were. 
It doesn't matter what we've experienced. When the God of justice arises, we begin to discover who we are, but then also to discover who you are. So when Reuben comes into the room, guess what? There can be genuine love, genuine validation, genuine honor, because we stand whole and healed, because the God of justice has moved on our behalf. And I picked this guy because he would be free to tell you the injustices he's experienced. The things that he has faced. But the God of justice. That's right. Has redeemed. Mm-hmm. I love you. Love you, Mama. Recompense. You know, my favorite scripture that the Lord showed me in my healing process was in Isaiah 61, where he said, instead of shame, all the injustice that brought all that shame, you're going to have double. Instead of disgrace, where you were humiliated and embarrassed, felt less than, believed you should have been a man because being a woman was too vulnerable, Instead of disgrace, you're going to have a double inheritance. And then to top it off, your children will be known among the nations and your offspring among the people. Guys, you need the God of justice to rise on your behalf so you can literally experience your children and your grandchildren walking in the fullness of identity and purpose. We are fighting a fight for generations. We as a church are fighting a fight for generations of children. It is the promise we have. You say, but you know, my kids face this and my kids face that. How's that going to affect their future? It will not because we know how to petition the God of justice. We know how to recognize the strategies of the enemy so that we can apply the principles of God's love and God's justice into our family so that we can walk in a health, a healing, and a wholeness that our future and the trajectory of our family line will be aligning with heaven. Hey, this isn't just so we can feel good today or get a couple Holy Ghost goosebumps. This is the real deal. This is an eternal reality that we have to grasp. And that's why we want to petition the God of justice. We can and should be go before our Father God in faith asking for justice. If we don't ask, how will we receive? And I don't want you to raise your hand, but have I said, how many of you will get down on your knees and cry out and say, God of justice, arise on my behalf. Psalms 97.2, I love this scripture. Clouds and darkness are around about him. Righteousness and justice are the habitation or the foundation of his throne. The very foundation from which our God rules and reigns is righteousness, which is right actions, and justice is power used for good. 
So as God rules and reigns in our life, we should not be afraid of our Father God. Yeah, but I really screwed up this week. Don't be afraid if you're going to run, run to God. Don't run away from him. When you feel conviction, run to daddy. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that he can exalt you. He wants to exalt you. He wants to lift you up. He wants you to be healed and whole and restored. He wants everything that has been stolen for you to come back in a double portion. There's one scripture. Um, if I would have thought about it while I was preparing, I would have put it in here. But it talks about a thousandfold return. Oh, my goodness, guys. If we ignore the God of justice, we are ignoring the very foundation from which he rules and reigns. Psalms 118.5. I called upon the Lord in distress. Hey, when I'm hurting and I'm suffering and I'm in trouble. People say, well, the only time you pray is when you're in trouble. Hey, pray. <laughs> Most of us ran to God because we were in trouble. Come on. <laughs> I called upon the Lord in my distress. And the Lord turned his back and said, you slimy worm. You know, he said, the Lord answered me and set me in a large place. When we run to him, what you got is minuscule compared to what he has for you. I love the scripture that says when we try to save our life, we lose it. But when we lose our life for his sake, then we really find it. That means when we take every aspect of our life and our relationships, all we are, all we dream to be, and we put it at the cross, we put it at the feet, we put it at that mercy seat where the blood of Jesus is, my goodness, our God is answering, and he goes, you watch and see the place I've prepared for you. And that's not just in the sweet by and by in our mansion in heaven. What has he prepared for you right here, right now? Guys, I am hoping today that you get not just a revelation of the God of justice, but that you would see you can have so much more in this life than you ever imagined. God wants you to use use you more than you ever dreamed. He wants to bless you beyond anything that you ever, ever thought possible. Well, I'll never own my own home. Where's that in the Bible? I'll never have all my bills paid off. Where's that in the Bible? Come on. It's not just confronting the lies about our identity. It's cunning, uh, confronting the lies that the enemy screams at us to try to limit us. I used to struggle when I think about, you know, wealth. It was very hard for me to charge, even in my consulting company. I've been pastor of this church, what is it, 40, 40 years. We've been here 40 years this year. The church will be 39 years old, 40, 40 years. And I'm only 45. How does that work? Okay, so we started really young. But you know what? You know where I'm at now? I want wealth. And wealth isn't just about money. 
Wealth is having absolutely everything you need to do what God's called you to do. I want it. I want everything he wants from me because whatever he gives me, I'm going to give to him and I'm going to allow it to advance the kingdom of God. I'm not going to be ashamed of blessing and favor. I remember back in my shame days, if I got a new outfit or something, I'd leave it in my closet for three months. So when I wore it and somebody says, oh, you got a new dress, I go, oh no, this is old. I've had it in my closet for a while. Because I felt shame over having something new. I'm getting in rabbit trails. Help me come, bring me back, Jesus. Okay. Let me give you an illustration of restitution and recompense in Joseph. We talked about the injustice against Joseph, but we know he ended up second in command in Egypt. We know God used him to preserve a posterity. Not just for him, but even all those brothers in the midst of their injustice against him, he used his power to bless them. That's healing right there, guys. That's the kingdom right there. So we know he ended up second in command. He had a wife and he had two sons. The first son was Manasseh and the second was Ephraim. Listen to the meaning of their name. Manasseh means forgetting all my toil and trouble in my father's house. When he had his first child, this child was named with a declaration, a decree. It's, I forgot. All. He remembered what happened. But there was no pain attached to the toil and the trouble and the hurt and the suffering from his father's house. Then he has another child, Ephraim. And Ephraim means, I, this stuff is so good. God has made me fruitful. His first son was, res, uh, was representing restitution of everything that was stolen that was restored. His second son represented fruitfulness. So much more than I ever imagined. He was not damaged by the injustice of his past. But it literally became a platform for him to be an instrument of justice. You know, when the God of justice arises, we have such healing that we forget the pain of the past. I can, so, I can be so free to talk about my stupid years. I, I'm so free to talk about the lies I believed about myself. Why? Because there's no pain attached to them anymore. They have no power over me. That is not Melody. It wasn't Melody then. <laughs> it was a fear-based Melody. It was a messed up false identity, false reality Melody, but that was not who God created Melody to be. 
Every time I go in to visit my mom, you know, you hear there's not a whole lot of action in her world, so we hear the same stories over and over. But I love when she tells me this story almost every time I come in. She goes, yes, I remember on the day you were born. And she said, I was walking the halls. And then she starts singing me the song, which I can't remember. But the, yeah, I got that part. But the part of the song was, in my heart, there rings a melody. There rings a melody of love. And it still makes me want to cry. Because you know what she was doing on that day 45 years ago? (laughs) What she was doing was she was making a decree that this melody would be a melody of love. And in the depths of my heart, my greatest desire is to be an instrument of love, is to value all of humanity. My greatest goal in life is to have God use me to be an instrument of justice. My mom was prophesying that on the day I was born. So, oh my gosh, help me, Jesus. Let's just skip the rest over here. How do we position ourselves? I'm going to give you three things. How do we position ourselves? This is not works. It's an internal positioning. So when God pours out his justice, we're able to receive it. Because if we don't have these three things in place, when God's justice is poured out upon us in a very beautiful, positive way, we could end up using his blessings as our opportunity to be an instrument of injustice. So number one, we must leave vengeance to God. Life hasn't been fair. Romans 12, 19, do not take revenge. Don't try to vindicate yourself. We don't have to prove to anybody. I remember way back in the gossip days, people would say stuff about me, and I would work so hard to try to justify myself because I knew it wasn't true, or then maybe it was true because I really am no good anyway, and I may not be going through all this junk all the time because somehow everything inside of me wanted to vindicate myself. Guys, we don't have to do that. All we have to do is bless their hearts. That's all we have to do. They're hurting. Bless their hearts. Do not take revenge, my friends, but leave room for God's wrath, for it is written, it is mine to avenge. It's mine to vindicate. It's mine to bring uh, retribution. It's mine to punish. He says, I will repay, says the Lord. Do not overcome, do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Picture it this way. Somebody breaks in my house and they steal something out of my house. I am so mad, man, I am ready to rip them up and I go get my gun. I don't have one, but if I had one, I'd go get my gun and I'd go into their house. I'd point the gun in their face and guess what? They go in there phone and call the police. And when the police gets there, who's going to jail? Me. 
When injustice happens against us, we go before the judge of all the earth. And on in this land, we go to the powers that be. Those that have the authority to do justice on our behalf. Because if we take vengeance ourselves, it'll ultimately sabotage our ability to have justice. Secondly, and I know you hear this in church all the time, but it's so true. Secondly, we must forgive. One of my favorite scriptures that we had way back in Bible school days, Mark eleven twenty three and 24, it says, and when you stand praying, right? You're stand praying. That whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in their heart that those things which they say will come to pass, they will have whatsoever they say. Guys, you go, oh my gosh, I don't know if I want to have everything I say. <laughs> That's something to think about, right? But, you know, we say, okay, God, this, uh, we can move any mountain by what we say. But then the very next, next verse says, but when you stand praying, when we're speaking to the mountain, when we're claiming the promise that whatsoever I say, I'm going to have, when you stand praying, forgive if you have aught against any. We have to forgive. We've got to become unoffendable. We have to be, I love this word. You know, probably about six, eight months ago, I saw this word and got so excited. I said it over and over to remember how to say it. But imperturbable. We've got to be imperturbable. Yeah, I'm not going to yell, scream, but I'm perturbed. We got to be imperturbable. <laughs> Unoffendable. So quick to forgive. Why? Because if we don't, the one it's going to harm is us. Lewis Smead says, to forgive, a dis to forgive is to set a prisoner free and discover that that prisoner was you. If I have to spend my life attacking somebody who attacked me, I have put myself into bondage. I have harmed myself. See, unforgiveness, it's a, a mask itself as a savior. It's going to protect me so I don't get hurt again. But it actually strikes as a killer. If you've ever met someone that 30, 40, 50 years after event, they're still rehearsing it and still angry and still desire judgment, for that person, the one who's been hurt by that event is themselves. Matthew 18, 21. It's the scripture that talks, Peter said and says, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times. And he goes, no, 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 not seven times. You know the rest of it. Seventy times seven, right? <laughs> See, forgiveness is proof that we trust the God of justice to move on our behalf. He knows what is best for us. He knows how to do justice justly. He knows how to do justice in righteousness. 
It is not my responsibility to get justice for myself. Because when I receive his justice, remember it's restitution and recompense. I could break in that home and maybe they never call the police. He gives me back what I was stolen. I got, I got what I went for. But I'll live bitter. I'll live hateful. Number three. I love this one. And it's to speak the things of God. We have to talk about truth. We have to say what God says. I remember when we first moved here, uh, my mom gave us $200. We have a family of four living on $200 a month. And once a month she'd come up, she'd get a gallon of milk. That's that gallon, when it was gone, it was gone until she came up a month later. So Joel, in the middle of the night, would get up, go to the refrigerator, get that. He was two years old. Get that gallon. He was chugging down that milk, man. Because <laughs> he knows when it's gone, there's no more left till next month when Grammy comes, right? What? We're not sharing? Oh, he don't care about those stories. Two years old, okay. Oh, oh, he's not sharing the milk. That's right. I mean, my kids used to fight over sugar peas. We put sugar peas and they would just fight over who was going to get the last sugar peas. I had to count out the sugar peas to make sure it was even so they didn't fight. (laughs) And I think, I wonder if they eat sugar peas now. Okay. Speak the things of God. Malachi 3, 16, 4 through 3. When we were in that place, and it was very difficult, we lived under poverty level for the first 15 years that we were here, starting a church. We made such little money that we got money from the government. What was it called? Earned income credit? Because the lower you are below poverty. You act like you know what I'm talking about. Okay, below poverty level, so they'd give you a certain... What? No, 1,500 one year. Well, one year was 500, another year was... In the beginning, yeah. And um, we would take whatever money came in, and we bought our first sound system in our little storefront. We were just so committed to what God had called us to do. And we were, we never were a day late on a bill because the miracle-working God always showed up for us. And we were very good at not making bills as well. But I remember one day I went to the grocery store with my three lousy dollars to feed a family of four. And I went into the grocery store. Some of you old folks have heard me say this story many times. Went into the grocery store. Actually, I think it was Weiss way back then, wasn't it? Yeah, because I one year was the turkey hostess. So I could earn some money to get my kids some Christmas presents. And so I walked into the Weiss with my $3, saying, how, what can I get? Usually it was about, I think we could get like five or six boxes of Kraft macaroni and cheese for like a dollar. You know, I remember those things. And I went in there, and you know what? Can you believe it? 
There were people walking around that grocery store with their carts filled with groceries, and they had the gall to actually have half gallons of ice cream sitting in their cart, which was my vice, was ice cream, which we didn't have enough money to buy. And I'm looking at them, and I'm going, God, this isn't right. This isn't fair. Here we are serving you, and there's all these heathens. I didn't know if they were heathens or not. All these heathens with their grocery carts filled with groceries. This is unfair, and I'm like, I'm angry. I'm angry, not outward. This is all going on inside, right? And I'm mad. I'm really upset because here we are serving God. I get home, and I had enough wisdom to say, God, I really need your help here. And so I went and sat down, and I got my Bible out. I did the real spiritual thing. (laughs) And right where my finger was, it says, You have spoken stout words against me, says the Lord. You said it is vain to serve God. And what profit is it that you would walk mournfully before the Lord of hosts? All these years later, I still remember this one. You say, yeah, those who do evil are set up and the righteous are brought low. This is all in Malachi. Guess what? I didn't go any farther. I just stopped. I cried. I repented. Because my complaints weren't that I couldn't fill up my grocery cart with groceries. My complaints were against my God. I was communicating to him that he was not a God of justice. And then I went into Malachi where it says, but, it goes, but those that feared the Lord... And my definition, Melody's definition of fear of the Lord, it's like, I don't want to do anything that hurts his heart. I don't want to hurt my father's heart. So those that fear the Lord spoke often one to another, and the Lord hearkened and heard it, and a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared feared the Lord and thought upon his name. What he's saying here, if you really fear the Lord, if you don't want to do anything that hurts the heart of the Father, when you get together, start talking about the things of God. Bring truth to the table. Bring the testimonies to the table. Talk about the goodness of God. Those who feared the Lord, we thought, we thought, and we communicated the things of God one to another. And you know what happens? Everything that comes out of my mouth, every time I speak the words of God, according to science, it, not just the words of God, whatever words I speak, but when I speak words of God, it feeds back into my own neural memory, and I'm building a storehouse of memory that is filled with life, filled with love, filled with the power of God. Come on. Every time we speak on the things of God, he says, I'm going to hearken to it. He says, I'm listening and I'm taking and I heard it and I'm writing in a book of remembrance for all those who thought, all those who speak the things of God. He's got a book for every time you've talked about him. That's awesome. 
And in chapter, I don't know where I'm at, 3, 4, verse 4, verse 2. But unto you that fear the Lord, unto you that fear my name, shall the son of righteousness arise with healing in his wings. We got to leave vengeance to God. We must forgive. And we need to speak the things of God. Because when we speak, he's hearing I love this, this scripture where it talks about intercession and how it's filling the bowls of heaven. And when that bowl is full, it's going to be poured out. It might look a little rough today. It might look a little difficult today. But I'll tell you, you keep speaking the things of God. You keep giving all, everything you've experienced. You don't take vengeance in your own hands. You give it to God. You forgive, you speak the things of God, and guess what? Then when we petition the God of justice, he already has that book, and he looks in the books. And remember in the beginning, I talked about Daniel, about the ancient of days, the, uh, the judge of all the earth sitting down, and it says now's the time to make an appeal. Guess what? When we go and make an appeal, what's happening? He's looking in the books and go, wow, look at all the time they're talking about the things of God. I tell you, Reuben can't call me that we're not on the phone forever. And you know what we're talking about? The things of God. Isn't that right? Get together with people and we're talking about the things of God. I get so excited when I come into church and someone comes up, you know what God did? You know what God, you know, and they begin to communicate the goodness of God. Guys, that is positioning you that when he opens up the book and he lays down his gavel of judgment, I have written a book of all the things that they have proclaimed about me. And the God of justice says, today I bring my verdict, which brings forth restitution and recompense. And I've got to stop. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank, oh, can I tell you one story? Can you give me one story? Okay, just one story. I know it's late and... I only preach once every six weeks or something, so. Okay, thank you. She can listen to me till four. So are you guys ready for that? Okay. No. <laughs> but I want to tell this story because it's so powerful that it's not what happens to us. It's what happens in us and what type of person we choose to become. This is a true story. If you heard it, don't whisper to your neighbor, Okay. But there was a man called Edwin Booth. And Edwin Booth was uh, an actor, I mean, in Europe as well as the United States. He was very well known. He was very celebrated. He had a lot of prestige. He was very loved. In fact, he said about himself, I just found this yesterday. He said that he was an eclectic Christian actor in New York. He proclaimed himself as a Christian. That got me excited. But he had a brother named John Wilkes Booth. And we know that John Wilkes Booth assassinated Abraham Lincoln. And when that took place, this very prestigious, loved Edwin Booth felt such shame over what his brother had done. He could not see himself as that eclectic Christian actor in New York. He saw himself as the brother of John Wilkes Booth, V. 
the assassin. Both John and Edwin grew up in a very, very difficult home life, an abusive home life. Their father was an, um, an alcoholic. He had a family in Europe and a family here, and he spent most of his time in Europe. But when he came home, he was very, very abusive. He was mentally ill. I mean, it was a bad, bad, bad growing up. And so it affected his children. But I got excited yesterday when I saw how Edwin became a believer. See, it's not what happens to us. It's what's happening in us, right? But he still felt such shame. And one day he was in Jersey City, and he was at, at the train station, and, and there was a platform, and he was standing on the edge of the platform waiting for the train to come up. And there was a young man standing aside of him. And that young man began to fall in the way of an oncoming train. And he reached out and he grabbed that young man by the collar and he pulled him back to safety. And that young man looked at him and knew who he was because he was very famous. And the young man thanked him and that was it. Two weeks later, Edwin is in his home and there's a knock at the door and he goes and answers the door and here it is, the secretary to Ulysses S. Grant with a letter for Edwin. And when he opened that letter, Ulysses S. Grant said, I want to thank you for saving that young man's life. Because the young man you saved was Robert Todd Lincoln, the son of Abraham Lincoln. Two children in the same family. One is an instrument of injustice and assassinated the president. The other became a Christian and used his life to save, to use his life as an instrument of justice. And history says that every day he would put that letter in his shirt pocket. It stayed with him all the time because that was the proof of the value that he held. That he wasn't like his brother. And when he was buried, they buried him with that letter in his shirt pocket. We've all experienced injustice, but there is a God of justice that says, if you run to me, you will lack in no good thing. There is restitution. This is a time for restitution. This is a time for recompense. Father, right now, can you want to all stand? I've kept you sitting longer than you normally have to. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we just cry out for the God of justice to arise. I'm just going to give you about 30 seconds. I want you to begin to think of some situations in your life, whether it's past or present, that you know were things that were unjust, things that were devaluing, things that were dehumanizing, things that were just wrong. I want you to think of them right now, or at least one.
You all have it? Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, we go before the courts of heaven where the blood of Jesus Christ gives us access. We run to the heart of our Father God, who is the judge of all the earth, who will do righteous on our behalf. So right now, in the name of Jesus, I ask for the God of justice to arise in that situation right now in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I thank you and praise you for restitution of what has been lost and restoration of all things in the name of Jesus. I declare and decree that recompense so much more than was lost being restored back to them right now where they have had financial loss, Lord, I decree justice. Where they've had relational loss, I decree justice right now in the name of Jesus. Where they have been hurt or violated or devalued, I declare that the God of justice is arising on their behalf, establishing in them uh, their true identity in the name of Jesus. And Lord, you are pouring out a double portion, a double honor, and we declare that they and their children and their children's children would be blessed of the Lord because of the justice of God. So Lord, right now, we are ones that we leave vengeance to you. We choose to forgive and we choose to remain connected to truth because we recognize walking in truth brings us freedom and you're writing it in your book of remembrance and you're arising with healing in your wings in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Could we just stay in this atmosphere of just, just prayer just a little bit? If you pray in the spirit, just go ahead and pray in tongues a little. Could I have the ministry team come up, please?